Welcome to Senya Roundtable, where Lori Bull and Erin Madonna dive into the topics that our Senya members are interested in. We are just two special educators who love to talk, shop, and laugh along the way. Welcome back, everyone, to another year of Roundtable Discussions. My name is Erin Madonna, and I'm here with Lori Bull. Hi, Lori. Hey, Erin. Great to see you again. It's been a long oh, time. It has been, right? That summer felt extra long this year. Mm-hmm. All right. So as you may have noticed, it is just Lori and I. We are missing our third pal, Matt, but he has moved on to other adventures and other you know, passions. We will miss him, but hey, maybe we'll get him to pop in every now and then. Special guest star. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So today we're going to do a little recap of what we have been listening to, reading, paying attention to over the summer, some of our own professional development. Um, And then we're going to talk a little bit about some exciting opportunities with the roundtable discussions this year, um, where we want your feedback. And then we'll finish up with a little bit of a chat about the Senia conference coming up, because how exciting is that? So exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Lori says, as we realize the amount of work she's doing to pull this amazing thing off. (laughs) All right. So Lori, what have you been reading or learning about or diving into this summer? Yeah, well, great question. So I'm kind of working on my own writing project, which I will love, would love to inform you about a little later when I'm ready. (laughs) So (laughs) Reading wise, I haven't done as much as I normally do in the summers, um, but I do listen to a ton of podcasts and I revisited one um, recently that I had heard, I think back in 2019 when it first came out. And um, have you heard of Hidden Brain? Oh, no. Okay. This is a, like, this is a podcast you have to listen to. It's on NPR, National Public Radio in the States. Um, and it's run by a man came, called uh, Shankar Vedantan. And it's just, it's just always fascinating. Every time I hear it, I learn something new. But this one, I was um, walking along, I think the first time there in Bangkok, <laughs> along the lake in Nichitatani, where I'm sure you've walked many thousands of times. And yes, a favorite activity. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Nichitatani is just this nice little community surrounding IS Bangkok. And uh, it has a lake and a walking path. And you pretty much that's all you have to walk. And so you end up doing it every single day, uh, multiple yeah. times. <laughs> Uh, but it is lovely. So, um, I digress. (laughs) So anyway, I was, uh, listening to this podcast and it was about the hidden things that make us successful. And so they did this study way back in the 1960s of the Perry preschool program. Have you heard of this? Okay. I don't I get into it and we'll see, but so okay. far it's not ringing any bells. Okay. So they, they worked with disadvantaged youth from low socioeconomic backgrounds and their goal of the program, this preschool program was to raise IQ scores. Uh, and yeah. I'll tell you right now that that didn't happen and <laughs> no surprise as we know what we know about IQ scores, but 
But uh, what was interesting is their whole focus was, so they took two groups um, and one group they ran through the preschool program and one group they did not. And their whole curriculum in the preschool program was basically to do a few things. They had tons of field trips where they would go to bakeries and airports and um, things like that and, and do a lot of dramatic play where they worked on um, language development, vocabulary, and that imagination. Then the rest of their day, they, they did this program for two years, they would plan and execute tasks. And then they would review their tasks as a collective. So they might want, you know, the kids might decide that they want to build a small wooden boat and then they would work on it at school. They plan out how they were going to do it. They would make it and then they would review it with their friends. And so anyway, as the program continued on, they discovered that no, it wasn't raising their IQ scores. And so they were thinking that it was a flop. Um, by the way, this was done through University of Michigan and Eastern Michigan. And eventually they studied these students long-term. So they started wow. at age three, four, and then up into their forties and now fifties, they're still studying these people. And what they've found is that by teaching these students these non-cognitive skills um, is what they call them back then, um, that the people that participated in the program had higher graduation rates from high school. They were more likely to attend college, earn higher amounts of money later in life, um, much less likely to commit crimes or violent crimes. And they were healthier because they were wow. taking the time to um, learn about their diet. Um, and then if they had questions, they would call the doctor and things like that. Now what they're finding is that their children are benefiting as well, um, healthier, um, more apt to yeah, continue with education. Yeah. yeah, really interesting. So the reason this just lit up in my brain as, as I was listening to it is because I'm so, as you know, into executive functioning skills and learning about those. And, <laughs> and when we look about planning and executing tasks and um, reviewing the tasks, like what are those? Those are executive functioning skills. And so I was just blown away by this information, but also just thought like, why doesn't everybody know this? And, right. and why aren't we doing this in schools everywhere, yeah. right? You know, it's not only going to support this low socioeconomic group with, you know, disadvantaged youth, it could be benefit everyone. So, well, and it into what we know about modeling, you know, everything from pro-social behavior, those interpersonal skills, you know, if they're talking about their plan with their peers, if they're working together, if it's a task-focused orient, you know, goal-oriented, and it's a collective collaborative action. Like when you think about all of the, even the social emotional skills that are occurring in that, and then you think about the long-term ramifications of having learned those foundational skills explicitly at an early age. Mm -hmm. well, yeah. Like that's phenomenal. And of course you'd pass those, those kinds of things and that the habits of thought onto your children. That's yeah. phenomenal. That's it phenomenal. is. And just to have that long-term study, 
of these individuals. Yeah, you know, that's when it makes you it absolutely makes you think too about the research that shows that like IQ isn't everything, right? Like, <laughs> but it's like all you know, there's so much out there about that effort and you know, persistence and you know, really great modeling from an expert coach and mentorship and connection mm -hmm. with other people. There's so many other factors that can that it can equate in long-term success that are not IQ dependent, you know, that it's, that's phenomenal. Do you know, right. did this program, was this at all connected then with like Head Start programming or anything? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, I, that's a I wonder know. I have, right? Yeah. Because it seems well, although if I, if the results weren't showing until longitudinally, maybe not, yeah. but, but that's fascinating. And yeah. And they, they did talk. mention, um, Tammy Duckworth, um, work on grit quite a bit throughout this podcast. And so, yeah, yeah it's amazing stuff. That is awesome. That is awesome. I've been yeah. reading a lot of going back and rereading a lot of Dweck's stuff recently uh -huh. for, uh, for another project I'm working on. Um, and it's, yeah, all of that kind of persistence through, you know, productive struggle kind of stuff of growth mindset. Absolutely. Right. right. Oh, Lori, fascinating. Yeah, okay. it is. So again, uh -huh. hidden brain, and I'll put that in the show notes for everybody to, to look at. I've got there the transcript of the article as well, or as the, of the podcast. So how about you? Uh -huh. What did, what did you learn recently? Yeah, I've been busy at work this summer, um, working with Mario. And I think the beauty of it is that I've been exposed to a lot of great research this summer. I'm on the research team. Um, one of the things so I'm sort of going to go two directions with my share today. Great. <laughs> the first one is just a quick little snippet, but something that I'm just fascinated by because I'm, I'm really passionate about reading instruction and, and, you know, the debate that is happening in Twitterverse right now about the science of reading and, and you know, right. and, and there, a lot of the research isn't new research, but a lot of it is being newly discovered at this, you know, kind of point where we are in education. And so there's all this fervor building. And it's really interesting because I've intentionally tried to follow people on both sides of the argument, just because I kind of want to get a full, well-rounded, you know, view of, of what's going on in this conversation. And and I think what I'm realizing is I, my own self-reflection out of this moment is that as much as Twitter for me becomes a great form of professional development, there mm -hmm. about a week ago, there were a bunch of people pointing to some statements that were made by really prominent researchers about, you know, in cautionary statements about don't read everything on Twitter and take it at, you know, and like <laughs> really do your homework and go back and look at the primary source documents because there's a lot of misunderstanding when we redigest research, right? So as much as Twitter is a great avenue, it reminded me, go back to the primary source, you know, so yes. even something like um, the National Reading Panel which that has been, you know, sitting on my desk for, you know, the past 10, you know, 15 years, it's sort of like a Bible, right? And, but then I listened to this phenomenal podcast and I'll have to, I'll have to get the names. I want to say, um, oh, I'm going to butcher the name. So I'm not going to say it. I didn't mean to go down this route. <laughs> I'm getting further down the route than I planned on, but there's a phenomenal podcast. I will share it in the notes for the, for the conversation. Um, you know, just kind of about like reading instruction and what does this all mean on this whole science of reading, you know, what does all of this mean? Um, and um, it was talking about how the national reading panel as phenomenal as it was, and as much of it is good, 
research and really good information, what ended up happening as a result as a misunderstanding of the National Reading Panel is this concept of siloing the big five into separate areas. This idea mm-hmm. that like oh, awareness is different than phonics and I should be doing all auditory skills pre putting in those graphemes. And it was really a fascinating conversation, this podcast I'm going to share out because they had a, like a linguistics expert. And what she was saying is that the phonemes are actually abstractions of sounds. They're not really a real thing. So until we connect them with a grapheme representation that we use in our language, they kind of are meaningless. So we Mm. should teaching all of these things in tandem, right? We shouldn't, it's not this developmental continuum that should be segmented. So it's, I don't know, it was just, it's been a really fun summer of like, yes, looking at everything on Twitter and then going back to the, the, to the source and the people I trust and going, okay, wait a minute, let's go back and reread and make sure. So I think that's something I'm keeping an eye on. The, another thing I want to share though, is, um, a, a major aha moment for me as an American educator, you know, now that I'm in this international sphere and interacting with teachers who were trained in different countries than I was, I'm being exposed to researchers that I had never heard of, um, which is shocking hmm. to me. So one of the <laughs> shocking to you that you hadn't heard of researchers. <laughs> yes, because if you don't know me, I am obsessive, right? I am absolutely obsessive with research. Um, no, not not at all. I, there are millions of people I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not that egotistical. However, <laughs> this Barack Rosenshine is who I was introduced to over the summer. And like Marzano, like Hattie, like all those names that everyone you hear the name and everybody goes, oh yeah, oh, yeah. he's mm-hmm. that seminal researcher, right? He is phenomenal. And so I was speaking with someone who was trained in Europe and she was like, this is our guy. Like we go through and his 17 principles of effective instruction is what we're raised on as teachers. And I went, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I've never (laughs) heard of him. And he's um, an American researcher. So I've also been trying to kind of stretch myself to other areas that researchers from all over the world, but he is an American researcher and I had never heard of him. I haven't heard of him. Right. His work is phenomenal. Shame on us, you know, teacher training (laughs) programs. We are missing out. But so we will share a PDF out of his um, principles of effective instruction. But really what he's done is he's synthesized, you know, years of educational research. What do we really kind of know about effective education? And then he's put them into seven really easy to digest, really easy to understand. Like these are must haves in a classroom. And it's things like, you know, guide students as they begin to practice, give clear and detailed instructions and explanations. It's nothing revolutionary, you know, but it provide more than explanations, ask deep questions and keep asking questions. And, you know, like he rings true with Hattie when he talks about feedback, providing high quality feedback to students. So it's funny reading through his stuff, his, his work felt really comfortable to me because it's all, you know, information I had been exposed to, but he just does such a beautiful job of putting it all together. Um, it, it should be at the start of everybody's teacher training program. So, so we're going to share it. And you're saying it's at the start of, um, people like in the UK and such it's in their yeah, teacher yep, training program yep, in Europe. Yeah. So where okay. we had, I we had a lot of, you know, Marzano, I think was, you know, when I was coming through, it was, you know, he was big and I was already teaching when all of Hattie's stuff came out and things, but like at the beginning of my, you know, it was Piaget, Vygotsky, you yes. know, and then Marzano, right? Like it's, those were the names we sort of were, you know, told about in my mm-hmm. training program, at least. 
Um, so yeah, wildly different. And, you know, and these people are all working side by side in the same time periods. Yeah. We only get to some, so that's really know. fascinating. Well, let's shout out to international school teaching. Cause it just, it opens up yeah. our world literally And talk to your colleagues, right? <laughs> Don't assume that the American perspective is the dominant or the correct perspective, right? Yeah, There's so exactly. much out there and different ways of looking at things. So, so that was a great kind of two knock me over the head moments this summer <laughs> that stuck with me and that I think could, you know, be helpful passing on. <laughs> well, good. So you've been knocked over the head, but you know, we should just mention real quick that, you know, this is our first time back since, since this summer. And I think we all kind of thought the pandemic would be <laughs> over <laughs> naively. Yeah. Right. And, and just to recognize that we, we know teachers are really going through difficult times right now with hybrid learning or, um, fully online or, you know, some are back in person, but, and I've heard from others that like the difference this year is you're back, you might be hybrid, but now, whereas before maybe administrators were kind of giving some the grace and like, okay, just get used to it. Now it's like, okay, you're used to it. So now here's all the other work on top of it that we used to do. Uh, Would you agree? I'm not in the classroom anymore. So, yeah, I think so. I think there are to varying degrees, you know, I think where it's coming from, at least in, in my context and context that I've talked with, you know, with other colleagues is that like, there's this sense of we've been doing this hybrid virtual thing for so long that like, now we're starting to get that worry, I think, as educators of like, how is this long-term impacting our kids? So I think a lot of it, like at the same time that like, we still want to give grace and recognize that there's like stress that people are just living with continually. Mm -hmm. We also like, okay, we don't want to fall too far behind, or we don't want to not be trying to do what we know is best practice for kids. How can we make it work? But I think what's happening is we're starting to squeeze that in in a place where people, the emotional breathing room and the emotional space, we're just not there yet. It's a, it's such, I cannot wait to look back. So, you know, mm-hmm. sort of as we look at historical periods, you know, that came before us and with that kind of, you know, reflective vision, be able to say like, oh man, yeah, <laughs> look at how oh, we handled man. that. And how did we, you know, because it's, I think everyone is just trying to do their best, but yeah, people are pretty brittle and fried. And, mm-hmm. and I think, another message we've been getting a lot that I've appreciated is like, take care of the social emotional stuff, right. That center that. Yes. And I think, you know, thinking of back to what you shared about the, the preschool program and, and the work that they did, like that should be the start of it all, right. Our sensory systems do yeah. you know, all of our sensory needs met social, emotional needs are those met. Okay. After that, let's work on executive functioning and then academic. Right? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Priority. (laughs) We got to keep those priorities straight. So I'm grateful for that message when we get it, because that feels like the right message. Good. Well, again, I said, I'm not teaching in a classroom now. And of course I miss it, but just want to give you guys all a shout out. What a great job you're all doing. And I know teachers don't hear it enough. So Everyone, you're doing an amazing job. (laughs) I mean, sending up a collective thanks from all the teachers (laughs) out there. But you know what? Can I say one thing that, and I feel like we might've talked about this at the end of last year, but one of the most beautiful parts of this whole experience has been that like, 
where, you know, pre COVID our connection with families, you know, we all obviously communicated with families, but like now we have to work with families just to survive. Right. Like, and I think the beautiful thing of that is like parents voices and teacher voices, you know, obviously there can be tension. And when people are stressed, you know, there are situations where it's not going well, but the vast majority of my interactions with families this year have just been so it's just beautiful, right? It's yeah. just, we're in the ship together. We've got to figure this out. And, and that's what the kids really need. So, so I, I love think that, and you know what, little bright spots, <laughs> you know what, I forgot to mention that was part of the preschool program is that oh, connection nice. with families. So, yeah. So that is huge. I, I fool that is, <laughs> is. three things you can do as an educator, I think, right yep. there. That's personal bias, but <laughs> Ah, all right. So thinking ahead, we want to think about, you know, the roundtables and the structure for the roundtables this year. And one of the thoughts that Lori and I wanted to reach out to you about the listeners um, is that we would like to invite guests onto the show this year, people that you would love to hear from um, topics you would love for us to talk about. So this is us. We wanted to just take a second to, to reach out and ask for you to share with us Um who is making an impact in your world, who you would love for us to interview and talk with? Um, what resources do you want us to share out or what topics are burning questions or areas of difficulty for you um, that you would like to see us address? Lori, do you want to, do you have anything yeah, else Yeah, well, to add? I, I think I just want to say this, you know, Aaron and I do not prescribe to be experts in any field. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we're, we're a round table discussion and, and we just want to interview people that, um, are, I don't know, as interested in, in learning about this stuff as we are. So, you know, think locally and is it someone in your school? Yeah. 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 Or do you guys want to hear about um, different international school programs uh, and how they're running their learning support program or their intensive needs program? Or, I mean, we can go anywhere that, with this. So we really want to follow your lead and what you want. So yeah, give us a shout out, please. And we'll um, put our email addresses in the show notes so you can email us your suggestion, suggestions. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Oh, I hope we get some good ones out there. And we have some ideas if, if we're feeling a little shy, but please send that, <laughs> send that info out. Um, that would please. help. All right. I want to pivot again. Okay. <laughs> we have December coming up, our amazing, wonderful Senia conference. And we're virtual <sighs> again this year. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So let's let's take a minute to sort of talk about, you know, what is, you know, what's coming down the pike with that. And then maybe a little bit about which speakers we're super excited to hear. Yeah. Oh um, gosh. Yeah. Kind of frame it for us, Lori. Sure. Yeah. You know, this this conference to plan has been really just interesting and fun and scary. Um, but <laughs> if I'm quite <laughs> honest, <laughs> but uh, we've got some like phenomenal speakers coming. And not only that, so we have um, the three keynotes and then I think it's 10 or 11 uh, invited speakers in, in our strands. Um, and so of course, we're really excited about every single one of those speakers. But what's more exciting this time that we didn't do last time is we um, put out a call 
for speakers. And so we have 40, no, I don't know, 37 or 40 uh, other <laughs> presentations that we're doing this year. And they are international school teachers or counselors or admin, you know, OT speech. So they're, they're coming in and they're providing us what we would normally get at an in-person conference. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting. There's a lot of experts out there in their fields that are going to share their knowledge with us. And I'm just so excited to hear from everyone. That is awesome. That's awesome. I know looking at the list of presenters, every time I scroll down, I'm just like, oh, I'm excited about that. Like Michelle <laughs> Garcia winner is on there. Leah Kuipers is on there. You know, we have Steve Lynn line. Oh gosh, I'm blind. Line wood. Line wood. Line Every wood. time I try to say lean and then I fix it. Welcome to Aaron's life. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but I just, it is phenomenal. You were telling me about a group who is coming, who train mm. adults. Can you speak a little bit about that? The speaker who's coming? Yeah. Right yeah. Um, Brooklyn Rainey and Kim, I'm going to butcher her last name. Um, Cywick, I think is how you pronounce it, but I'll probably that she'll prove me wrong. I'm sure. How do adults know how to work with kids if they come to them with their issues or, or problems? And so they started a program called One Trusted Adult that teaches adults what, how to respond when kids come to them with, with some issue of, or something. And so what, what I'm really excited about, I mean, that's really all I know about it right now, but I'm just really excited to hear their whole presentation and hear their ideas on how adults can better support the kids in their building. That's phenomenal because oftentimes, right? Why do we not handle situations like that? Well, it's not for lack of wanting to, exactly. it's just because we don't, you know, and we're worried about not doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. we often go running to, you know, the professional the counselor or whoever in our school, like, help me, help me, but they're overwhelmed with their own jobs. So right. it's, it's nice that there's this whole training program out there for teachers. Yeah. And if you think about it from the kid perspective as well, um, like, you know, for someone who has social anxiety needs or somebody with communication, you know, needs where it's hard to approach someone and ask for help. If you know, you have an adult who is your safe adult, how much easier does that become right. Not that it's yeah. not still a challenge, but, um, to have a safe Harbor, a safe home, that is phenomenal. They're going to be on my agenda for sure. <laughs> All right. So definitely take a look at the Senia website, check out the conference information. If you haven't registered already, please do as a, you know, I have not involved in setting up the conference at all. I'm just <laughs> someone who has participated for a number of years and it every year has been one of the most rewarding experiences for me, not only because I learned so much, but also because I get to network with people who are in like positions, you know, job alike sessions and things like that. Um, so definitely, definitely take a look. See, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I should tell you, I, I'm sure you know, but we are going to have an in-person conference this spring. Oh, did that's, you know I that, Erin? Yeah, I saw that. And is it in Europe? Am I Yes, it's that? in okay. Bonn, Germany. So we okay. are going to have a big announcement coming up soon about the um, the title or the theme, and then the strands 
that are involved and then how you can sign up and register and all that. So that will be coming soon, maybe uh, even before this podcast is broadcasted. I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a good one and it'll be uh, so fun. You know, for those of you who can travel um, and aren't, you know, subject to quarantines, when you get back to your home country, uh, this will be a really good opportunity for people to gather again. And you know. I bet it's going to be full because how many people have <laughs> travel? I know my own family tonight, we were sitting around the table, just like making up our like dream travel list yeah. of like, okay, where are your top two places? Let's get those trips planned. Um, oh, that's phenomenal. What a, that's an awesome sign of you know, we're inching our way towards inching. Yes. And if, if for some crazy reason it were to be, um, you know, canceled or whatever due to this stuff, um, we, we've got a backup plan. So awesome. 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 Very cool. Well, thank you for joining us for our return from summer. It was a shorter session today. We just wanted to check in, but remember, please send us any information that you would love for us to talk about or connections with people you would love for us to interview or talk to. Um, We're looking forward to a really great year of roundtable discussions. Thanks so much, Lori. Thank you, Erin, and we'll see you next month. Awesome. Sounds good.